The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Third and fourth to six here, Chuck. Your quarterbacks are making nice decisions. Do you, do you run it or throw it here? I would say you take a shot at the passing game, especially if you're one-on-one -on -one outside, just throw the fade route up, see if they can do that. Right to the passing game, as you said. Can he keep it himself and get in? Yes, he can. Touchdown, Rudolph. Or do that. That's a great heads-up play by Jake Rudolph there, Paul. Good job of shuffling back and sure. keeping his eyes downfield and realizing at the right time, my best chance is to run it. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes. Mike, this podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's season-opening loss to Northern Illinois, and he previews the upcoming game against Missouri State. We also have our weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbonat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye, Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Brent Balbonite's Press Box Report and both of the reporters' notebook shows. The Iowa-Northern Illinois game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with all Hawkeyes announcers Paul Burmeister, Chuck Long, and Dana Hughes. A good job in play-by-play -play and analysis. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's opening loss to the Northern Illinois Huskies, and he previews the home game against FCS opponent Missouri State. Marv, your overall impressions, it was a tough loss to NIU, obviously not the way you wanted the season to start, but a lot of people, I think, sense that this team feels differently even though it lost yeah I, mean, I, I think I think visually they look different you know I thought a lot of what they were doing offensively wise was was good I mean they, they did come back to the old zone and inside zone and stretch and, and and had some effectiveness with that after you know early on being more diverse with their you know their kind of their bubbles and, and hitches on the outside and and then also stretching the field you know they took a couple shots down the field I thought which was is ultimately going to help out uh, the tight ends and, and in those intermediate routes so I, I like I liked a lot of what I saw. I really liked, uh, you know, the development of, of Jake, the quarterback, um, and um, you know, I thought he played pretty darn well for a guy that had never taken any snaps. And you know, with the exception of basically one or two snaps, he, he I thought he played a really solid game. We've talked about this in past years. It just seems to be the Ferentz philosophy, which is sort of the NFL philosophy. You play close and hope you can pull out the win. But yet, Iowa's now two and five in the last seven games, decided by three points or less. They've lost seven in a row, and that's the second consecutive loss to a MAC team in the last ten seconds of a game. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's. 
obviously frustrating. I mean, I mean, here's the interesting thing that it was a trap game for me, in my opinion. I mean, it was a game that everybody expects you to win, but if you actually looked at it on paper, I mean, they, they were in the Orange Bowl last year. They, you know, they, they, they were returning a, a, a very talented quarterback as well as a lot of offensive linemen. And, you know, and, and, and I think some people might have actually had them in the top 25, you know, maybe the 25th or 26th ranked team in the country. So, and I think that's probably a fair assessment. So if you say, okay, you know, Northern Illinois is a top 25 or top 30 team, then that means Iowa's right in the top 25, top 30 type caliber team. And I, and I kind of still agree with that to some extent. I thought our defense, you know, did enough good things, but um, it's, it's brutal losing to a MAC team just from the perception of it. If you get to the nuts and bolts of it, though, it's not that bad a loss just because they are pretty talented uh, and they are going to give you know a lot of other teams fits over the course of the season. But we're in an era where we shouldn't be losing that game, in my opinion. You know, we've we've been here long enough. I was a great you know traditional program. You know, it, you, you hate to lose games like that, and that's that's the that's the hardest part of it. Before we dig in a little bit more into both the offense and defense, any sense from you about the coaching changes that were made and what these guys, the new guys, bring to the table? You know, honestly, I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to um, recruiting. Can you recruit? Can you get guys? Can you get guys on your campus, good quality kids that can come in here and be great football players? And and that's if you want to develop a great team and a, and a great uh, solid foundation, you know, at the core of it, it's the players. And if you, and and so that's what I'm. It's kind of a wait and see. I, I like the fact that they're young. I like the fact that you know I think they're energetic and they'll 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 beat the bushes a little bit and hopefully you know open doors and get kids to listen to the story that we can tell here. And and um, you know that's the exciting thing about I think some of the transitions that we've made and and. Um, you know the direction I think the staff has gone you know once they're on campus you still got to coach them up you know and I think I've heard a lot of great things about obviously all of them uh, I know LeVar fairly well and, and obviously I've always admired him and the kind of person he was when he represented the University of Iowa and then his career in the NFL so I mean I think that's a great addition and you know Bobby Kennedy I think is the receiver coach coming in there's a connection there with Coach Davis so that, that's when you're coaching you want to know what the, the other guys think in the quarterback and I think that that kind of chemistry is invaluable for our team as well so it's a work in progress, but you know I think on paper it looks good, and it's just a matter of whether they can you know get out and get the kids on campus. You just talked about it a couple of minutes ago. Despite that last pick, Rudock really played a pretty heady game. I thought. I, I thought he was. I mean, I'm not gonna say flawless because he missed on some throws, but you know, but he was. I thought he he was spot on on some throws too. There was a couple third down conversions where he's sprinting out and he throws it into a two foot window and got good velocity and and it was a great you know third down conversion for us and you know he extended play with his feet you know he talked about he's got some some quickness to his step there and you know he ran a little zone read which is a nice little change up you know to have a quarterback that you know and you don't have to be a burner you know like Denard Robinson but if you're just running that's going to hold that end a little bit and that's going to free up the inside zone so you know I mean there's a lot of great things to take from it and you know we'll, we'll, we'll have to obviously take those good things and clean up the bad things and, and go forward. Especially considering he never took a snap in a college in, game before. Yeah, truly for me. Now, to his credit, I mean, he came from one of the premier programs in high school football. You talk about big-time recruits. That's the other benefit for Iowa is now you got a guy that can help you get in and at least get phone calls returned from six or seven Division One recruits every single year coming out of St. Thomas Aquinas. So, uh, you know, hopefully Jake can continue to develop and, and be the starter here. The other thing that I was struck by, and I don't want to rehash last season, we did that enough last year, but he showed a, an ability to stay in the pocket and be prepared to take a hit. That touchdown pass to Fedorowicz on the goal line was a great example of that. That's a special 
special characteristic because a lot of times you want to wait and, and see the guy open. I think he had a combination of, you know, I know I've got to get rid of it, i got to throw it to a spot, and I'm going to get hit, and I'm still going to step in and make the throw. And that's, you know, for a young guy to make that kind of throw, you know, it's obviously you get excited when you think of the upside that this kid has. Knock on wood, and it's only one game into the season, but it looks like Iowa has more running back depth than it's had in a while, and you saw Wiseman and Bullock combine for yeah. nearly uh, a couple hundred yards. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the tight ends, and and they weren't targeted that often again on Saturday. You did have the one Fedorowicz touchdown. It's with his size offers such significant mismatches, it seems to me, in the defensive backfield, but is this a scheme thing with Greg Davis? Does he just not look to the tight ends overall that much? Well, there was a huge disparity. I think Martin Manley had 11 catches, maybe. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times he was targeted, 9 or 11. Basically, the other guys are 2 or 3 or something like that. So, I mean, that's a big difference. I mean, obviously, he's got a really good comfort level with Martin Manley right now, and hopefully he can develop that with the other guys as well. So, you know, that's you're right. Fedorowicz on sticks and hitches and hooks and curls and, and all those little things. I know they tried to hit him down the seam one time. This didn't quite connect on that, but, you know, I mean, I think you know, it's, it is a work in progress. You got to be consistent. You know, the one thing quarterbacks are going to want is they're going to want you where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And if you do that consistently in practice, then he's going to be comfortable with you, and he's going to find you. And when, especially when the game's in a critical situation, he's, he's going to be looking for the guys he knows he can trust. Wide receivers. It looks like not just Martin Manley, but a couple of others showed some speed. Uh, Cotton did, and uh, we finally saw Powell. Yeah, and and, and that's going to make a huge difference. I mean, having Powell out there stretching the defense. You know, I mean, it just you could tell when he comes on the field he runs at a different pace than everybody else you know and I think even they knew that we were going to throw it deep one time when he came in the game and he still got by him and that's just going to help you know I talked to a group the other day and I talked about okay if you're if you got a corner and he's got this guy one-on-one he's going to soften okay even then the safety's probably going to have to relocate two or three yards to that direction just to help as well and now that's that's six or seven feet of more space inside that the tight ends or the, you know the other receiver running dig routes has in there so you know that's a big advantage for our offense right now. What do you think of the, and I know Davis was criticized for this in Texas when he was offensive coordinator down there, but this continued focus on uh, the perimeter passing. The long pass covers a lot of yards, high risk if it's picked, um, and it was picked, almost picked more than once on Saturday, and yet he still calls that play a lot. I I like a lot of the, I do like a lot of the the horizontal passing game when it's bubbles and tunnels and, and you're extending the defense and, and, and you know especially Saturday when it was you know 90 plus but probably 100 plus on the turf let's make those D linemen run sideline to sideline I mean let's get them running 30 yards a snap and do that 40 30 40 times I mean that's going to wear them out and then help the running game and, I, and, and so I do like that what I'm always leery is when you run that little arrow you know where you're starting at one you're starting at three bending to four it's a, you know it's a, it's a long throw with a tight window and if you know the guy can undercut it and that's that's the that's the rub you got to take with it is there's a trade-off but you know what we always do is we're reading the guy's numbers the defender's numbers if you see his numbers you're throwing behind him because that means he's running with your guy if you see the front of his numbers, then you're throwing the arrow because that means he's, he's softening or he's, he's stationary, and then you can bang it on the outside. And, and that's where I think we got caught a little bit was the guy bolted with him. Uh, you know, we should have waited for them. The, I think they ran a little drive behind it or a little slant behind it uh, that came open a little bit late. But it was just a, you know, one of those deals where you're right. There's a, it's a high risk, you know, small reward. You can say small reward. Sometimes a guy can get picked off and Dallas Clark can catch it and run 90 yards up the sideline, but that rarely happens yeah. versus the other. 
other side. On the plus side, schematically, you did see some vertical passes on Saturday, which was a big criticism last year. And maybe even more importantly, you saw third down pass plays designed to actually get the first down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought a couple of play actions where they were in the sit route and behind it was a great scheme. You know, I love the third down call where we took a shot, tried to, you know, go over the top with, uh, and, and, you know, had a chance at that. Uh, you know, those are the kind of things I like to see. And, and um, you know, you just, you got to find ways to make those plays when they're dialed up. But I, I did, I, I thought, like I said, I enjoyed watching the football game. Yeah, the uh, third and one play you were just talking about there, I know subsequent to the game, some of the fans have been saying, why weren't we running? We had the run. However, if that pass would have been completed and it was open, yeah. uh, then people would have been raving about it because yeah. it would have been six on the board. What did you think of the – how do you explain the real solid production in the first half? offensively for Iowa and then almost completely disappearing in the second. Honestly, I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, from a visual standpoint, I don't know the statistics. I don't know, you know, I don't have the chart and all that in front of me, but it seems to me like we, we came out and we were diverse. Uh, and then, you know, we had a tendency to kind of, we got back into our zone game. We brought in Wiseman. We were pounding at Bullock and pounding. We were running our zone pretty effectively, getting three, four, five, six a pop, you know, and having some success running the football. And I think, you know, we might have got just a little bit away from, you know, really taking some, you know, shots outside. Or, yeah, field, yeah, yeah. Right. Or, you know, and just like little hitches, you know, they're, they're four-yard plays, but if one guy misses a tackle, they turn into a 15-yard play, you know, and, and like I said, it's, a, it's one more rep that that inside lineman's got to turn and run and, and rally the football. So, you know, I, I don't know if that, that that was the case, but, you know, that part of it is, is Northern Illinois has got a good coaching staff and, and they make adjustments and, and uh, you know, they're figuring out what they need to do to stop some of the stuff that we're having to having some success with. Yeah, the stats are pretty interesting. Actually, if you go down, and I have the stat sheet in front of me, so, but it, when you go down the offensive stats, Iowa wins in almost every category, and and so, which I guess reflects how close the game was anyway, but it was nice to see offensive stats on Iowa's part that they really hardly ever had last year, but it comes down to outside of the three turnovers, obviously, but the when you look at possession time, even though at the end of the game it was pretty even, in the third quarter, Northern Illinois had the ball for almost 11 minutes and Iowa just a little over four. Wow. That's a really big disparity yeah. to overcome. So. And that's, you know, that's where you do put a, a lot of stress on a defense from a conditioning standpoint. And especially the first couple of games of the season are brutal from that standpoint. So, Let's talk about the defense a little bit. Um, people were anticipating, and I think they saw at least in some cases a little bit more aggression, but ultimately they still had the same issue they did when they were facing a mobile quarterback running a hurry-up offense. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I thought for the most part, I, I like the guys we got on the end. I know Morris was out in the slot a lot, and so was uh, 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 Hitchens. Mm -hmm. And I thought they did a phenomenal job because what they're doing is they're fudging. I was trying to be three over two. You know, they're going to try to have a safety deep and then have two guys underneath on the two receivers and then that that, that guy whether it's it's Hitchens or, or Morris is going to fudge it and play the run and the pass which puts a lot of demand on those guys I mean they got to cover a lot of ground and get back in the running game and I thought for the most part they did a great job of that because basically what our defense is showing is six in the box and that's a, you know historical let's run the football and they were trying to run it I didn't think they had a lot of success running it I thought we did a good job of stopping it where you know we had some you know, breakdowns in the secondary at times, and it just, you know, they got over the top a couple times against us. But I, I thought for the most part our, our run defense was pretty solid. I really liked what our outside linebackers were doing, uh, passing and in the run game. But, but overall, just, you know, collectively, just, you know, we didn't make enough 
plays to stop them when we had to. Yeah, another interesting stat, especially if you compare what Northern Illinois did last year in, in Soldier Field against Iowa with all those sacks. This game, neither team had a sack. Pretty unusual for a yeah. first game. No, that really is. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I know the one thing that I thought I did was they minimized the big running plays. You know, I mean, last year at Illinois, I thought, or in the Chicago game uh, at Chicago Soldier Field, the quarterback got out a couple times and made some extended runs. So I thought they did a good job of containing him for the most part. There was a, before the season, Phil Parker talked about pretty confident he could get a lot of rotation on the D-line, play deep there. Uh, you saw a pretty a lot of that Saturday. Yeah, and, and, and you almost need to. And, I, and you're right, I did see literally some of the teams were rotating in two new guys like every two plays. And, and I believe that. I mean, I think that's a great strategy because if, if you get one of your guys and he's tanked and he's only at 65%, well, I guarantee the second string guys going to be more active at 100% than he is. So I, I thought that was a great strategy. And, and then the other thing it does is it really allows you to evaluate your kids. You know, you, some kids you really don't know until you get them in a game setting how they play. So it was nice to see rotation in there. Um, you know, like I said, for the most part, I was very, very pleased with it. We do need to find a way to get back to rushing four and getting pressure. It's, you know, we have to be able to do that. There were issues again with pressuring the quarterback. Yeah. I asked Kirk at his press conference because I was struck. You saw the one instance where Hitchens got beat badly on that touchdown where he was stuck covering a fast wideout. Yeah. I asked Ferentz about the problems, the difficulty, especially because the rules in college aren't like they are in the NFL where if you make substitutions offensively you mm -hmm. get the chance to sub defensively about the difficulties in trying to sub in especially your nickel and dime packages when you've got a team like NIU running as quickly as they were in that hurry up and he acknowledged that I mean how do you if you're a coach what can you do to try to do that to deal with that problem when you got you got to practice it I mean you got to make sure and then you got to make sure that the guys on the sideline are locked in I mean you got one guy that's literally watching the other sideline to see what personnel package is coming in. So as you see a player coming in, you see it's the tight end, you got to know it's you know who's coming out, and and you got to make sure you're communicating that right away so you can get your package in, and and to match that personnel. So what what it's designed to do is it's designed to make you get base, you know, play base or or stay with a package that you don't want to be in there in certain formations, and that's why it is a huge advantage for for offenses to make those adjustments. You saw two entirely different versions of hurry up off no huddle no huddle offenses. You saw NIU running a pretty up tempo hurry up, and you saw Iowa's new version of the no huddle where they at times stretch the play clock out to the very end and at times run very hurry up. Talk about the kind of hurry up that Iowa's trying to run this year, or the kind of no huddle that Iowa's trying to run this year, what is that, what kind of pressure does that put on a defense? Well, I think the one thing it allows, it allows um, the coaches to do is kind of have an idea, okay, here's our personnel on the field, here's kind of where they're lined up, let's see what personnel packages they have in. And ultimately, a lot of times you can be in a formation, then you can look and say, okay, well, here they're in, you know, a, a 31 front with, you know, cover three behind it. Well, we like these certain plays, let's call this play with the idea that that's what they're going to be in. And so it just allows the coaches sometimes to see what kind of personnel package is going to be in as well as the coverage and the front that they might be in as you're in this, you know, kind of no huddle, standing on the line, waiting for the play to come in. And so it is actually a good way to do it. Bill Snyder's got a way to do it. It's called check with me. You know, you line up and you, you have the quarterback know that if they're in this front, this is what we're going to call. And you give them the ability to do that. 
uh, you know, run or pass. And, and so it's just there's two different philosophies of, of kind of the way you do it. So, I, But I liked it. I thought it was good. After the Big Ten update, Marv talks Missouri State, Coach Terry Allen, and more. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update this week, the conference kicked off the opening weekend of the 2013 football season by going 10-2. and Everybody was successful in their season openers, except for Iowa, losing to a very good Northern Illinois team that has an excellent chance of going undefeated the remainder of the season, and the Purdue Boilermakers, which were thoroughly trounced at Cincinnati. The only other team that struggled, especially defensively, was Nebraska, which finally put Wyoming away 37-34. Husker fans are beginning to wonder whatever happened to their famed black shirts defense. The victory did, however, mark head coach Bo Pelini's 50th win. This marked the eighth time in the past nine seasons when the Big Ten opened with 10 or more victories. After the first week of play, the rankings showed little change from their preseason versions. In both the AP and the USA Today polls, five Big Ten teams show up. Ohio State leads the pack at number three in the AP, number two in the USA Today poll. Michigan, Nebraska, Northwestern and Wisconsin are all ranked between 17th and 23rd. The only conference games of particular note this week are Michigan hosting Notre Dame and Syracuse playing at Northwestern. The rest of the Big Ten schedule is pretty ho-hum, and it should result in a clean sweep, with the possible exception of Illinois, which hosts the same Cincinnati team that ran over Purdue. And broadcast school has really paid off. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Next, Marv Cook reviews Iowa's special teams play in the opener, and he previews the Missouri State game. Turning to special teams, I think a lot of people were looking to see how the special teams might play this season compared to the last couple of years where there were problems in almost every phase. All new coaches involved in that for Iowa, and they did get caught on that one fake punt, but overall my sense was the special teams played pretty well last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought that, you know, obviously the field goals were solid, snap, hold, and kick. Uh, you know, the, the fake punt, I mean, it's just you can't, I mean, you know, you had to try it. I mean, that's, they, they, they are designed to be confusing and, and confuse the defense, and that's obviously what they were able to do, but that was that was a, that was a tough one to take, and, and uh, you know, but other than that, I thought our special teams were 
pretty solid. I, the, the punter looks like he's going to, you know, be consistently. You know, it was a beautiful day. I mean, it was hardly any wind and stuff. So uh, for Kinnick Stadium, so it was, a, you know, kind of a great day for for those types of you know special teams to showcase themselves. Yeah, he did have that one shank, but outside of that, he showed pretty good leg strength. The other thing that was really different, and I can't remember the last time this was the case, but Myers kickoffs were all into the end zone, yeah. as I recall, and some of them deep. Yeah. And and he talked a little bit about that in post game that he's worked hard over the summer to build his leg strength up. But going down the road, that should be a big advantage for the yeah. uh, for the Hunters. And I actually I, I watched both of them. I thought both Northern Illinois and our kicker were doing the same because I was thinking well it was one way or the other, but they were doing it in both end zones. So obviously both those guys got incredible leg strength, and that is a huge benefit. Starting from the 25 versus starting from 35 or 40 on returns is a big big thing. Any surprises, particularly from your perspective, positively or negatively, out of that first game? Well, obviously, I thought Rudock. I, I thought he was phenomenal for first start. I mean, I thought he just was incredibly poised. You know, like I said, you comment on the play, he broke the pocket and went to the corner. And, you know, he kind of shuffled initially, kept the play alive. You know, was still looking downfield, which is a great trait. And then he decided to take off and run and got the pylon. It was a great play. You know, I like the combination of Wiseman and Bullock. I think that's going to be a good combination for our running game. I thought our offensive line was was pretty solid. I mean, you, this is a broken record with me. I, I know these kids are great football players. I, I, I truly do. I know these guys, you know, James Morris, watch them play, Tanner Miller, uh, you know, uh, everybody. I mean, Wiseman. It's just sometimes you gotta got to rise up and find a way to win collectively. And that's just... There's going to come down to three or four snaps, and you're going to look on, you know, the teams that lose them on Sunday, look up and say, well, I wish we had that play back. The teams that win them come out on the right side of it, and we've got to figure out a way to come up on the right side of those plays. And and I think they will, because I really love the leadership of this group. I love, you know, the way the guys, these guys go about their business and and play the game. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. Uh, the upcoming weeks. Terry Allen, a bit of a homecoming this Saturday, brings his Missouri State team into Kinnick. Do we really know very much about Missouri State, or does that really matter in a game like that? I actually saw them play. They were actually playing. I saw them on TV, though. But they, um, they're they athletic. I mean, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, Terry Allen's a great coach. He gets the game. He understands the X and O's part of it. He will have schemes in place that will attack where they think we're susceptible. And, and they've got some athletes. I just don't know if they've got enough to, to withstand, you know, our our you know our depth and all those things and being here in Kinnick Stadium. You know, so ultimately I feel pretty good about the outcome. And But I, I do truly believe that he is a great football coach. He will have some great packages in place. And uh, it'll, you know, we'll be tested if we if we. Go, come out and don't play sharp and crisp it's going to be a long day when you schedule a game like this theoretically or ideally are you really looking more at at working on your own schemes and your plays and that sort of thing than you are worrying or trying to counteract specifically what your opponent's trying to do that's a great question that really is a good question I think the static, you know, response you get is well, we're playing to win. You know, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. Well, you know, the the, the win should be it should be a given. I mean, I hate to say that. That's you never want to say that. But the mindset you have to have as an offensive football player is that every play we run, we should score. Because on paper, we should be able to draw this thing up that if everybody does their assignment and does it well, we should score. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. I mean, I know the other side's playing, but and then along with that, then should be every time we take the field 
possession, we should get points. And you have to have that mindset. And this is the kind of game that that's, you have to build that mindset. Because then what it does is if you have that mindset and you start to execute on that, now you're up 17 when the other team makes one or two plays and they're still down. Does that make sense? And ultimately, that's this this game has got to, we've got to learn to develop that mindset that what we're going to get on it and we're going to stay on it and we're going to get it rolling. And, and I'm hoping that that's what we can do offensively and, and get that, you know, kind of a little mojo, you know, in what they're doing. That, that you know what, you you know, we're not, you're not stopping us today. We're, the only people who can stop us is ourselves. The other thing I, I would assume the Iowa coaching staff hopes to do here is to jump into a lead and then get some backup, some playing time, which didn't happen very often yeah. last year. And that's got to be really important, especially for a younger team. Yeah, no, that's, you know, I, I just think that, you know, my personal story was I played one or two quality snaps as a redshirt freshman. But when I went to spring ball, I knew I could play in the Big Ten, and I had played in the Big Ten. So it was, I was a different mindset, a different way of going about my preparation going into that spring versus well can I you know my can I get it you know you know what I'm saying so I, I think it is huge that we get guys in the game and, and get them experience and you know I, I you know in McCorney kind of way we always talk about you know at, you know just at the levels I'm at we were 65 strong we're not 64 we're not 63 and you have to be 95 or 115 whatever the, the allotment is strong and these are the games that you almost owe it to your teammate who's putting the same amount of time in who's working probably just about as hard as you are to get him some playing time. And so, you know, we all, it's not about you, it's about the guy next to you. And this, so this is one of those games where if you take care of what you need to take care of, then a lot of people are going to have fun playing on Saturday in front of the great fans at Kinnick Stadium. This is a little bit out of left field, but just to wrap up today, Terry Allen seems to have a lot of respect. He had a, a really nice program at Northern Iowa. He gets hired at Kansas, goes down there and struggles, like a lot of people have struggled at Kansas, and loses that job and then goes to Missouri State where he's got a pretty tough record. I mean, how do you explain a coach at UNI having a really good record, solid program, very competitive, maybe gets in over his head at Kansas, not so much in over his head, but just that's a tough situation at Kansas, period. But then, you know, gets the job at Missouri State and certainly hasn't matched what he was able to do at UNI. What's happening there? That's another good question. Um, obviously, I don't know the particulars. I, I can honestly probably tell you that uh, Coach Allen's, the schemes that I know he's familiar with, are designed to be run by athletes and, and athletic guys. UNI has the ability to bring in athletes. I think kids like the dome, they like the, the, the speed of the turf, uh, the conditions are always conducive to you know being fast and, and playing at that level. You know, that's why, they, you know, Coach Farley's done a great job too, but that's why they, I think they're able to have success is they're able to get a lot of those type of athletes that want to play in that atmosphere. You know, you go to Kansas, you try to, you, you, can, you can recruit a different athlete, you can recruit athletes, the problem is, you compete in the Big 12. I mean, where's your win in the Big 12? Oklahoma, Texas. You know, I mean, it used to be Texas A&M, Kansas Baylor, State, Kansas yeah. State. You know, I mean, where is your win? You know, I mean, it's just it's a brutal, brutal conference. And you know, if you're starting a new program up, it's tough to to get traction in that. I mean, Iowa State, Coach Rhodes is a phenomenal coach, but it's going to be, you know, it's tough. But that being the case, you know, so he. He goes and he transitions. He wants to still coach, and you know he goes down to Missouri State, and it used to be a different name, actually, right? And and it's just I don't know if, if you're able to get the same type of athlete that you want to get, you want to recruit and get to come to that area, uh, and it makes it difficult to coach. You know, it kind of you know it's it's one of those things where they're they're a lot like Iowa. I mean, it's gonna be a little south of us, a little bit warmer, but they're gonna have some Saturdays that are cold and rainy and sloppy, and you need to be able to run the football, and if you want to have success. Prediction. 
Uh, you know, I mean, I yeah, this is going to be this is going to be an interesting game, and and it, we need to we need to see a 55 nothing, 56 nothing, 62 nothing. I hate to say that. I really hate to say that because I, I never want to see anybody run a score up like that on somebody. But but Iowa needs to understand that if you're going to be a top notch team and you're going to compete in the Big Ten, you need. I mean, they need to play at a level that's different than the team they're going to face Saturday. And they cannot get muddled down and, and, and think that it's good enough to score every other time, every other possession or something like that. They've got to come out and play and execute and, and, and be sound in all phases of the game and, and, and just show that they're a, a better team uh, on the football field. So that's that's what I'm expecting. That's what I think we'll see. I think our depth will be a critical thing. I think it's going to get a little bit warmer late in the week again as well. So that's going to be a factor. And, you know, I'm just hoping our fans come out. I'm hoping our fans aren't, you know, too disgruntled with last week's deal and, and still come out and support the Hawks. Where's your killer instinct, son? you got to get angry. you got to get mean. That's the only way you can play. Well, I guess I'm not really an angry person. <laughs> Are you angry now? Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.